Jr. Okay, so Walfredo, this is an unusual name. I know it's your father's name, um, and I know you're of Cuban descent. Is, is it a common name in, in Cuba? Not really. Alfredo it is, but Walfredo is not. And I'm the fourth. Wow. <laughs> and the end. <laughs> There's not going to be any little Walfredos running around? No, my sons are Joseph and Gabriel, my daughter Liliana. So uh, that was the end. You decided was, to break the trend? Yeah, too much confusion because my, <laughs> my grandfather was a musician. My oh. father was a musician. All our pension and checks and everything got mixed up. Even oh, today God. in YouTube, people say, oh, my God, I love your album. And I go, no, that's my dad's album. I wasn't even born. So uh, there, there is a confusion all the time. And meanwhile, your kids are all musicians, your, your father, your brothers, the whole family. So let's talk a little bit about how, wh where did the music start in your lineage? Did it start with your father? Was it his father? Where did it start? Well, it started out on both sides of my family. Wow. My, mo my mother's side and from Cuba, uh, they were all musicians. And on my grandfather's side, the same thing, all the brothers, my grandfather's brothers and everybody, a trumpet, trombone. Oh, I was going to say, so they weren't all percussionists. No, uh, my my uh, maternal grandfather was a bass player, Palau, the Palau Orchestra, and everybody was a saxophone, trumpet, drums, everything. So, uh, you know, uh, it was always in my family and my house. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a vet. How did your how'd your father feel about that? Did he like that? Oh yeah, he liked it. And uh he goes, he told me, Well, I'll teach you how to play drums just in case when you go to university to be a veterinarian, you might want to play some gigs for money. So uh I said, sure. And so uh once I hit 12 years old and the Beatles and the Rolling Stone, the guess who CTA, I was in. I was started to play percussion and drums and so how, so did he so he did he give you your first did you start on percussion or did you start on drums how uh, did you start I started on percussion when I was like eight years old for fun right and then I when I told him I wanted to play drum set he said okay so you need a metronome a practice pad pair of sticks and actually I just got I just got from my dad the book, the first book that he gave me to start when I was in the ninth, eighth grade. Yeah. So this is my first book and I just got it with all the notes and everything. Oh my God. Did you my, have a teacher or were you, did you self-teach? No, I've always had teachers and I encourage everybody. I, I figure it this way. Every, the best people in the world have mentors. Every messy Tiger Woods, you name it, tennis players, football players, they all have coaches, mentors, teachers. And so uh, my dad started me. And then when uh, we moved to Las Vegas in 1970, uh, he put me with a, a teacher that was the percussionist of the Hilton Hotel where Elvis, right. where Elvis played. And uh, so every Saturday I had a drum lesson. With that being said, there's a lot that I was learning at school, then university with 
top 40 bands. So I was, I was involved in music uh, all the way. Uh -huh. from, yeah. Well, and so, and, did, and so was it because of your dad that you knew you wanted to do percussion or did it just feel right? Yeah, I think, um, I think I wanted to play the music that I love, you know, the music that I was hearing on the radio. Uh, my first beat on the drum was Honky Tonk Woman. Uh-huh. And so uh, I think because my dad was a drummer, uh -huh. percussionist, uh, that was a vehicle for me to play music. If he would have played guitar or bass, that would have been it. But the, the main thing is, it was, it's not that I fell in love with drums and percussion. I think I fell in love with the music and the drums and the percussion became a vehicle for me to play with bands and music and record songs. And so, you know, uh, I sit in the best seat in, on stage while I enjoy the music I love. And with that, I just keep the groove for everybody to play music and I enjoy it. You know, that's, you know, it. Okay. So I have to ask you, we're, we're going to come way back, but when I saw Chicago recently, I, Ray Islas is a, a wonderful friend. I love Ray. And you guys, the, I think for me, the most exciting part of the show is when you guys switch seats. <laughs> and now was that something that was always part of the show when you were the percussionist did you switch seats with the drummer or is that something you and ray have created no actually before ray uh my brother danny was playing percussion but he is the percussionist with zach brown band right so danny was doing the show the very first show when i started playing drums danny was playing percussion but then he got a whole tour with zach brown so we actually came up with that idea. And then when Ray came in for Danny, uh, we kept it. And the people loved it. So everything the people love, including banging my head with the cowbell, people get a reaction and the, the band goes, oh, I love that. You got to keep that. And it goes, really? Every night I have to hit my head. <laughs> it's so It's so fabulous. It's so a lot it feels that's not like a set thing you guys improvise in that you you don't do the same exact thing every night i can't i can't believe that you do do you well what we try to do is we don't we don't create a drum percussion solo as if we're playing for drummers or percussionists right you know uh we're playing for the chicago audience and right uh we want to keep it entertaining first of all and then uh, we have certain cues and certain patterns and we can improvise within the framework. And then we, we do a cue and we're on to the next. And then we can kind of, you know, improvise within the solo. Wow, but so yeah, so it, it shows that you're doing that. Okay, so... I was looking at your, you've played with everybody. So, all right. So you started out and you're in high school and you, what's your first like professional gig? Where, where do you start making money? Well, that, that's a really good uh, uh, question because, you know, I don't want to sound materialistic or anything, <laughs> but, but, you know, um, 
that's a question that I actually teach and help a lot of the students that are graduating from high school and college. Uh, my situation was I was playing percussion and I was playing drums. We moved to Las Vegas. And at the time I was the oldest of five and my dad was a drummer. So, you know, I either got a job selling newspaper, mowing lawns, washing cars, bussing tables at a restaurant or doing what I love to do. So I started playing percussion and I got a job while I was in the ninth grade uh, at a dancing school in Las Vegas that had really, really top choreographers in the strip, but all the dancers of the shows in the strip uh-huh. will, com- will come and it will be like boot camp. You know, they would just soaking, sweating <laughs> after two hours and I will play in hand drums. And it will be like five, six, seven, eight. And then they got their choreography. When the choreography was done, Ron Lewis will go, all right, let's five, six, seven, eight. And these dancers were wailing. And I would pay, get paid $9 an hour. And I would have like three or four classes. I would play my ass off and they would dance their ass off. And then I got connections, and that's the key. One job leads to another. So Ron Lewis recommended me for the Debbie Reynolds show when the time came. I was in the 10th grade, and I played percussion with Debbie Reynolds, and I was still in the 10th grade. I had to get a sheriff's card, musician's union. My dad co-signed for me. So, you know, from there, I was playing with Debbie Reynolds and playing in high school playing top 40 with kids my own age. Wait, before you get off Debbie Reynolds, I just have to say, I got to meet Debbie towards the end of her life. And she was the bodiest, funniest woman I think I have ever, and I know a lot of funny women. She maybe was the funniest, dirtiest woman I have ever met. Was she, <laughs> did, did she have like a why? I can't even imagine what her show was like. Oh, oh yeah. No, her show was great at the Desert Inn Hotel. I wore my tuxedo. Oh, I love the Desert Inn. That was my favorite hotel back in the day. And, and I remember, you know, I was in the 10th grade. And you were in the 10th grade. How were you doing this when you were in the 10th grade? I know. Well, I had to play the show and go out the back door. <laughs> I, I couldn't be in the casino. Oh, I couldn't be God. at a bar. So, you know, it was just like, do the show and go out. And so, uh, uh, so I did it. And um, I remember Debbie, you know, pushing me to go out with Carrie Fisher because she, uh, she was uh, one year older than me, I think. And uh, she was uh, on vacation from acting school or London. She was living in London. And her brother, Todd, was a, a studio engineer at that time. And uh, I remember Debbie was going, well, what are you doing this weekend? You know, why don't you go out to a movie? But that was not my interest. My interest was the older showgirls. <laughs> 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 so that, that I was going like, no, I don't want to go to a movie and buy a soda <laughs> with your daughter. And uh, so <laughs> I, I, I wanted to go, you know, and go out with the other showgirls. But, you know, she was, Debbie was incredible. Uh, I tell the story many times, but many years after, after I worked in Vegas later on with, uh, when I joined college, after two years of college, I was doing 
uh, a lot of shows in the strip. And then I got the audition to do uh, to play with Lola Falana, which was one of the biggest stars at that time. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. So then I worked with Lola from 77 to 79 and uh, Paul Anka. Oh, no, wait. When you're doing these gigs, Wally, are you the percussionist? Are you what, what, drummer? Did you, you were the drummer, so yeah. you could you could just flip back and forth between yeah. percussion and drumming. And I was did. that always the case for you? Always the case. You know, I I actually, it's almost like for me, uh, you know, we're talking about snuffing. You know, if he plays acoustic guitar and then he plays electric guitar, right, right. If you play piano and now you're gonna play B three. I mean, I know there's some people specialize more on B3, but a keyboard player is a keyboard player. Right. You got to play clavinet. You got to play mini moog. You got to play B3. Percussion, drum set is included on percussion. So like I study congas, timbales, bongos, marimba, timpani, drum set, snare drum, classical, and then styles, all the styles. You know, I would go from like, the chamber orchestra at UNLV in Las Vegas to my top 40 gig, which Santa Fe was at the other club down the street. And then go to UNLV for music theory at eight in the morning, jazz ensemble at five o'clock, go back to the gig or play with it on a lounge in the strip. So it was a very busy time on percussion and drums. Plus, if you do a recording and you play the main track, you know, I'm already hearing percussion. And when somebody asks me, hey man, that was really great. Do you know a percussionist? Hello, you know, and so like, uh, so the next day I will come in and play the right. percussion. I already know the tracks. Wow. Did you your know? father instill this this oh, yeah. work ethic in you? Was oh, he also, absolutely. did your father also switch off between percussion and drums? Oh yeah. I mean, my dad was the house band drummer of the Desert Inn Hotel, later the Sands Hotel. And you play drums and when an act, say like Dionne Warwick or The Temptations or somebody. I know he played in, with he played with everybody, your father. Well, you know, he would go when when the act comes with their drummer, my mm -hmm. dad goes to percussion. So he plays the show with all the acts on percussion. And then sometimes he has to play drums for the comedian or the theme. Right. But, you know, he played. And not only did he play percussion and drums, he was one of the first innovators that mixed drum set with percussion and brought the congas and timbales as a setup. So now you, you have an eclectic setup. So, so I'm uh, sure there were situations where you were doing both in the same. Yeah. Not every band has a percussionist and a drummer. There must be situations where you were the percussionist and the drummer, right? Like your the stuff that your father created, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, with, uh, there, there later on, you know, I'm going to jump ahead. When I moved to L.A. and mm -hmm. in the 80s, I played with Tanya Maria. And later on, I started playing with David Lindley, uh, great guitar player, steel player. I was playing drum set and the timbales and the bongos on the left side. And sometimes I played like a djembe or a cajon. And then later on with Santana, there was a tour that I played timbales and drum set because our timbale player Chapito had left until uh, another timbale player came in. But, you know, you there's a way of mixing both, you know. 
together at the same time. It's, it's incredible to me, the versatility that you have and the passion that you have for every single thing that you do, no matter what you're playing in that moment. Because I got to see you play a lot of percussion while you were with Chicago when you and Ray switch. And your, your acumen on every single thing is just, you're just one of a kind. You're just superb. Well, so, okay. So... So you're on, you're in Vegas, you're doing all of these gigs. Then you started doing show. You were doing shows as well, right? Yeah. Had, many shows at shows night. In, and in Vegas. Yeah. In Vegas. And how was that for you? Because my daughter's uh, boyfriend is right now doing Mean Girls, the, the national tour. He's right now in, in Tucson playing on Mean Girls and he's a multi-instrumentalist. And for him, I don't want to, this is terrible to say, but it gets a little boring to do the same show night after night. Um, how was it for you being in the pit? Well, uh, whether it's on the pit or on the on the stage, you know, back back then in Vegas, it was two shows a night, a dinner show at eight o'clock and a cocktail show at 12 o'clock. And the discipline that I learned from that is immense. Because mm -hmm. right now, it's almost like, you know, people complain because they have a show every night. Like, what? Like, I used to do two shows a night. And, and, and each show was, had to sound fresh. And when you're like the drummer, say, we're like with Lola Falana, we would play a month at the Aladdin Hotel, two shows a night, seven nights a week. Oh, my God. So, oh my you God. know, you have to have... Uh, a discipline, you know, have to learn to uh, switch the channel and what, what helps, uh, you know, and that's a really important theme because that's what separates the men from the boys. There's a lot of guys that are not meant for that. And after the third night, they go downhill. And so, mm -hmm. you know, like with a band like Chicago, for example, you know, this is not uh, oh, I'm getting bored because I've been here since 2012 and I want to change around the plane or change the tempos. You know, you're there to do a job to deliver the songs to the people. And that's the job. It's not about me. It's about the music. And if you want to, if you're getting bored, you want to do something else, do something else, form your own band, play at during the day. Uh, do something and then you come to the gig and it's fresher. Like, for example, when I'm off uh, from Chicago, like today, for right. example, we're, we're going back on the road April 5th or 6th. Uh -huh. uh, I, I re re uh, recorded all day percussion tracks for my trio that I have here in Cincinnati. And we played uh, clubs and we're going to play some jazz festivals. And it's a trio, it's, it's jazz and latin and brazilian and all that but we're recording and i'm doing percussion so you know it's nothing to do with chicago when i come back to chicago uh it's not like chicago is the only thing i've been playing uh chicago is a part of my life but i do in between chicago i have a lot of other things that i'm doing and in a way it helps when i go back to play with chicago i come back fresh Right. And, uh, we and, saw and you the first night you guys had come back together after having a pretty long hiatus. 
You've That's been right. away from each other for at least a couple months, I think, right? Four. Four months. And so, and it was interesting because the first couple of songs, you guys were kind of finding your way. And by halfway through the first set and then into the second set, you guys were just like, you've guys found each other again, but you know, yeah, that was a long, a long break away from each other. Cause you guys play a lot of gigs. You're yeah. together a lot, right? Yes. But Chicago, the way Chicago there's a reason why they have lasted 55 years. Which is insane. Yeah. And there's a, people think it's, oh, 55 years. Well, I'll tell you why one of the reasons. They have invested in, for example, there's a lot of bands that go out on a tour after they record a record and they burn out. Right. They go out, you know, like five or six months. And when they come back, they got to spend all the money and divorce lawyers and kids <laughs> therapists. The dog barks at them. No, I adopted you. The dog goes, who are you? So Chicago, we play three weeks and come back home. We play two weeks and come back home. We don't do sound checks because our crew is so good. They do the sound check. So we don't have to be there at four o'clock. So we go at six o'clock, do the show and we're out order dinner. If we have three buses for the band. Many bands have one bus. And by the end of the tour, you're killing each other. Wait, why do you have three? You have three buses so that you guys can spread out and not be on top of each other? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, what I say about that is like our manager is very, very conscious. And these guys have learned a lot of lessons in the past, just like a lot of bands. You know, I remember when I was with Santana, I was the same way. I remember one time there was a conversation about the manager saying, okay, so you guys go to, to go to Europe, May, June, July, and just kick ass. And Debbie Santana, I remember said, no, that's not going to happen. You come back after May, a couple of weeks, and then you go back and the manager go, yeah, but that's going to cost money. You know, you go over there and then you come back and then you go over right. there and you come back. He goes, well, you know what? You're going to spend the money is when you get a really bad divorce. And when that happens, <laughs> you know, you learn your lessons. And so, like, it's really nice to actually come home and refresh and go back and do the gigs. And nobody burns out and everybody has space. And the music always sounds fresh because you're doing it, but not five months in a row. You know what I'm saying? So you've been with Chicago since 2012, right? And we're going to talk about how you got Chicago and, and the gigs you had before, but do you become a member of Chicago or are you always hired gun? No, I'm a hired gun. The only members of Chicago is Lee, Robert, and uh, Jimmy, because they are. They right. are the found, founding members right. and everybody else is, is hired. And, but with that being said, you know, it's very great treatment and they make you like part of the band. So they don't treat you as you're like a side man, even in the photos and the meet and greet. Uh, every time we have, they have a, a meeting, a restaurant, the dinners. I mean, we are a band and that's the way, that's why it sounds like a band. We travel together and first class and it's all the way first class all the way and uh 
you know, it, it's, it's great. It's a great job. I know from the way um, I'm good friends with Lauren Gold, and I know from the way that he was welcomed and how he's treated and they, and they, you become part of that family, right? You, yeah. you don't, you don't, I assume you don't feel like a hired gun when you're with Chicago. Yeah. Many bands that I know without mentioning names, um, mm. you know, the, the band or the artists, whether it's one artist or three or four originals or two, whatever, they're in one hotel and the rest of the band stays in another hotel. And the first band travels first class and then the rest of the band is an economy. That's a higher gun too, but that, that's not the way it's with our band. And so you will give more because you feel like, like, believe me, this guy's, there's not too many bands and you can fact check me on this one. And a lot of times you, you're not going to be able to, but I know a lot of bands didn't support their crew and their band all through the pandemic and Chicago did. Wow. And so I being inside this business, wow. I, I know that a lot of people got their money from the government, but the crew and the band didn't get it. Wow. And so like uh, for that alone, it's something that I really, when I came back from 2020 and we started back in 2021, my admiration for this band was at a higher level. It was already high, but you know, the treatment and when I, when I, when I saw that actions speak louder than words and they, they did it. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a it's a great organization. They have paid their dues. They have uh, had their trials and tribulations. They have had mega hits. I mean, Chicago is the soundtrack of my life and a lot of other mine people's. too. I'm right yeah, there and, with you. And the fact that you know sometimes I have to pinch myself because, especially people ask me, "What's your favorite song to play with Chicago?" Well. It all depends of the era, because when I was a kid right. and I came to my parent, my, my dad and my mom in their bedroom, they had a mega, really great radio. Right. Uh, I had a turntable, you know, one of those portable turntables. Yeah. we all, Yeah. The, the Vic yeah. A Victrola. A Victrola. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the big radio was on my parents' uh, bedroom and I used right. to come to the bedroom and, you know, when I used to help... Uh, uh, put to sleep my younger brothers and sisters, you know, I mean, I was the big brother, you know, burp right. them, trying to get a nap. My, my, my mom had the girl and I had my younger brother Aww. and, you know, I would just put the radio and listen to one song after the other. And I heard beginnings and I went, man, I love that song, the fills, the voice. And then I, I, uh, I got paid $10 to mow the lawn for my neighbor. Then I went to Jemco and I saw CTA. This is the guys that, that do that song, Beginnings. I turned the record around and go, There's, there it is, Beginnings. And I bought CTA and I opened up the album and there's the guys, you know. And I loved that whole album, then Chicago too. And I became a fan. And I would just basically, isn't that weird, you know, that, and this is kind of spooky, the laws of attraction. 
but that was my first album I ever bought with my money. So I used to stare. That is so crazy that that was yeah. the first album you bought. That, you know, my second one was This Riley Gear by Cream, oh, but yeah. my third one was Abraxas. <laughs> and there I go, you know, so like I worked with Santana from 1989 to 93, 2017, and then so. Oh, wait, we, we're going we're to talk about how you segue to each of them. But I have to, t- people are asking me a couple questions that I want to ask you right away. Somebody said that they heard you say that Chicago doesn't rehearse, that you learn the music and you come back and play. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, this guy's been doing it for 55 years. <laughs> if somebody, when I came in the band as a percussionist. Right. There was no rehearsals or anything like that. He goes, look, we've been doing it for 55 years and we wrote it. You learn it and I'll see you at the downbeat. And so the same thing happened to everybody, to Lauren uh, on drums. It was a different thing because it was a new singer at the time, a, a new bass player. And so like we rehearsed, but not much for a few days. I mean, this guy's unless there's something completely telling me that a drummer and a bass player can start playing together without having rehearsed together. Oh yeah. Is that even possible to do? Oh, it's possible. But you know, if you learn the stuff really well and then uh, you see you at the downbeat Uh, (laughs) with Chicago, uh, unless we're doing something that they don't know is fresh Mm. and new. Then we met my rehearse for a couple of times. And by the, uh, by the way, I just have to tell you, because I just saw it. Lee Sklar is on and said you are oh, one of his favorite drummers and he loves playing with you. Oh, my God. I love Lee. And it was so great. Uh, unfortunately, did you play I, together with Jackson Brown? When did you play with Lee? Was no, it uh, no. Uh, I actually play with Lee Sklar in a soundtrack of a movie called The House of D with Robin Williams. Wow. And, and at Jackson Brown studio. Ah, and okay. then uh, and then we played this great um, two days of music with a band that Michael Thompson pulled, put together, guitar player Michael mm-hmm. Thompson. He put a band together, and we went to Cabo St. Lucas with Lee, and uh, it was a great band. I mean, we played in different places, and we had a great time. You know, I mean, playing great music with great musicians in Cabo St. Lucas. Oh my God, what could be better? You know. Like better than the tequila. I'm so, uh, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, Lee is incredible. What can you say? I mean, you know, I'm a big fan and, um, um, you know, I, I kind of miss LA because of that sometimes because, uh, but when I was living so, in LA, the yeah. reason I moved, decided to All move. Right, I was just going to say, tell us, tell everybody why you moved to, to Kentucky. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I was in L.A. from 1980 and in 2017, Chicago was working like eight months a year on and off. Right. So it was almost like I had time to maybe do a session in between. But the reality is I was just living in L.A. and going on the road with Chicago. And it was a, more like a financial reason for tax purpose. So I decided, well, wait a second, if I'm going to work eight months out of the year, and I moved to Vegas four and a half hours east. I get a raise of 25 cents to the dollar because there's no state tax. I can buy uh. a bigger home for the money. So then when I arrive in Vegas, I don't have to work that much in between because I'm making more money because 
Right. You know, you know what but I'm saying? But you like to work in between. You do. I, I, oh, I do. do. But yeah. but I don't have to like, oh, I have to. You right, know, but, right. But I do. Right. Uh, with, but with that being said, while I decided to do all that, I met this beautiful woman. And I saw her pictures and she's gorgeous. How and did I, you two meet? Well, at a meet and greet in Cincinnati. Wow. So we played... Uh, river band and i saw her and she saw me and then during the show we were looking at each other and flirting and stuff like that and then we uh got in touch uh through uh internet and from there on it it didn't stop so we uh she she went to vegas and visited me in la and vegas and and what i realized is like my my house became a home when she was in it oh and uh and then i said well you know the situation is when I go to visit her, well, I can live in this apartment that she had in downtown overlooking the city. We had so much fun walking around and then CVG 20 minutes away is a breeze. And I'm going like the, the situation is I, wherever she is, I would love to live with her and she Aww. couldn't move to Las Vegas or LA, but I decided to rent my house in Vegas and I moved to Cincinnati. And then uh, you can walk across the river into Kentucky. And there's an area called Newport, Covington, Kentucky, where they have a historic district. And we bought a house from 1886. And we can still walk to Cincinnati. And what? So wait, house from 1886, was it already completely renovated? Did you do yeah. it? Did you do it? was. Yeah, it was. Do you have, do you have ghosts? Wally? Oh my God, the whole neighbor has stories. Really? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, this is like, I mean, I don't want, I, I don't want to get into it, but I, there's a story from this house, and there's a story. Every house has a story. Uh, there's, you know, this house houses had a basement, and in 1886, the help lived down there, and it's very incredible to go down there and see the latrine and where they kept the chickens, the coal furnace. It's still there. Yeah, it's still, you can see it. And then later on in the early 90s, it was paved with cement, with drainage. And the, the guy who owned the house bought the first Motorola TV and put it in the wall. And it's still there with the tubes and all that. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's but yeah, crazy. It, it, they have a lot of charm, all these houses and uh, uh it's just a beautiful home and we love it. We have a beautiful garden and uh, there's a, in Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky, there's a great music scene. There's great colleges, wow. Cincinnati university music department. Uh, you know, Bootsy Collins is from Cincinnati, the King records, the first uh, two albums of James Brown were here from the band wow. in Cincinnati. Uh, there's a big, big music gospel country and rock uh in cincinnati Who and knew? a lot of jazz also so you have a so the trio that you have you play out locally in cincinnati yeah, yeah i just call it you know wally's trio and uh we what what we do is as a trio we do our own twist but we play songs that everybody knows we play beatles songs we play uh stevie wonder michael jackson Brazilian Sergio Mendes songs that people know but our way. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. I so like there, there's that identification. You know, it's not obscure bebop just for musicians. Right, right. Gotcha. I'm kind of past that, you know. <laughs> I mean, I did it so much. I really don't have to prove to anybody that my right foot can play fast or you don't play. have to prove anything to anybody. You know, no, that, you that's don't. not thank you. I mean, that's not while I'm in the, the playing drums from the beginning. And I actually I went through my phases of fusion and you know, and so I I noticed even playing at the baked potato, my last CD is called Jamming at the Baked Potato. Mm -hmm. uh, we played songs that were, you know, the police, the Beatles. I love it. Uh, all songs, Charday. And the, the place was packed. I love it. And when I play some really obscure stuff that was just virtuosity of the instrument, it, it, it was not... A lot of people. It was just mainly just musicians going, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was that the molar technique or it's like, uh, hey. Did you, know. did you, do you like playing jazz? I don't understand fusion, quite frankly. I don't understand jazz. I know a lot of people who play jazz are kind of snobbish about it and think that's like the real deal. But I heard you quote, uh, I don't know who it was, and saying that blues is the root and rock and roll and jazz are the fruit. Yeah, and rhythm and blues is the fruit because it, that's at the bottom. The blues and the, it all came from there. And, you know, I love playing all of it. I mean, and it's almost like cooking. I cannot just cook a well-done cheeseburger. <laughs> I got to do pasta. I got to do Chinese. I got to do Moroccan. I got to do Thai. And I want to cook it. I want to learn it. These are called styles. So, you know, I don't want to be, if I was in the cuisine business, in the restaurant business, I wouldn't want to be just a half-assed cook. I want to be a chef. And to be a chef of cuisine, like I watch all these chef's tables on Netflix and all that, these guys are masters. And they're always learning and seeking and traveling and trying to, so that that's me, you know, like I, I, on my travels, playing music, I'm always learning. What can I bring to my my rhythm collection, my groove collection? I can't hear you, Lawson. Shit, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I accidentally hit that. Do you still, after all these years in your travels, find new pieces of percussion and things as you travel through the world? Oh, yeah. You do. Yeah, I'm a collector and drums. And, really? you know, yeah, I what drums. I mean, you have the main drum set. But for some reason, it's maybe an addiction. You know, uh, it's, not, <laughs> it's not that I need anything else. But I, I told my wife, you know, like, I mean, a woman will always need another pair of shoes. <laughs> I knew you were going there. And she's a scuba diver, so she will always need a new piece of gear. And I will always need another snare and another symbol. You know, now, I, I know there's a, a, a Snuffy always tells me how many guitars does a guitar player need? One more. One more. There you go. And, you know, the guitar comes and I'm sure the snare comes. When my wife comes in and the house and there's a big bouquet of flowers, <laughs> she goes, what type of snare you get? 
Yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. So, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I totally get it. Okay, so what were you guys doing? So you met before the pandemic. What were you in the middle of, Wally? Was Chicago touring when, when March 20th came and the shutdown came or March 13th, whatever day it was? What were you doing and what did your, how did your life change in that moment? Well, you know, there's a documentary that Chicago has. It's called The Last Band on Stage, which is really interesting. And uh, uh, we started with a bang in Las Vegas when this whole thing, day by day, day by day, you know, I don't know if you remember, but it was like, oh, no, it's going to be gone in two weeks and this and that. And and I we actually were the last band that left Las Vegas. Really? And we, we cut the tour short and went back home. And I, I was going to get married the 21st of March. So you weren't already in Kentucky at this time? Yeah, were- I was living in Kentucky. Oh, you were yeah. already in Kentucky. Yeah, and we, were, we had everything planned to get married. People were going to fly. We had the place, we had the band, and but we cut short in Las Vegas with Chicago and I had to fly home and then everything shut down and we had to cancel the whole wedding and everything. But still, still we got married at a house on our street and walked home to a year and a half honeymoon. Oh, that's not bad. (laughs) That's not bad. That's not bad. I mean... You know, to tell the truth, um, it, it once we realized that we were not going to go back out in the summer, we had a great tour with Rick Springfield, uh, and that had to be canceled. Mm-hmm. But once we realized there's going to be the whole year, uh, the the one thing that the pandemic, uh, the blessing, is that I became really quickly an engineer and. I needed to learn software and how to record like right here. I don't know if you can see it, but that's my recording drum set. Oh yeah. We can see. Wow. And, wow. And, uh, we can, oh wait, if as you move the, we can, see, uh, there's much more to it than I originally saw. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So basically I recorded the last album with Chicago, mostly here. Wow. And, yeah. And I basically sent the files. So I became an expert at recording sending files and I had a lot of lessons online a lot of people helped me uh and then you know I still friends back in LA I would send the tracks and uh, I would be lost you know and were so you that teaching was, were you teaching online as well yes and I still do but that happened with the pandemic I didn't know how to do that I, I had to put my phone in the right place and make sure the drums sound good through the right. microphone and uh yeah it's uh teaching online learning online zooms S- skype uh well another thing that happened during the pandemic that i have to uh bring which is amazing to me so by december we were already really shut down and my right. wife for my birthday uh we drove to the peninsula in chicago and rented a room at the peninsula and that was going to be my birthday and as soon as i got to the room i got a call from somebody in la asking do you teach percussion he goes yeah he goes oh what how much you charge he goes well I, I charge like this an hour you know i can do two hours if you want this and that okay well i'll call you back I go all right so then she called me back and she goes well this is a hush hush situation this is an actor his name is Javier Bardam. 
Yes. Oh my. And, and I said, he's one of my favorite actors. He goes, well, I we need for you to teach him with your whole background in Cuban music and your grandfather right. to uh, to play congas for the Babalu Desi Arnaz part in oh the movie. Oh my God. Uh, the movie was called Being the Ricardos. Mm -hmm. And it was really incredible because I said, I have no idea how we're going to do this. So wait a minute, you did this with him remotely? Yeah. Oh my God. Did, did did he have background playing percussion? Did he have any Yeah, idea? he plays drums. He loves to play metals, metal drums. Wow, that's but, funny. But he's a great actor and he yes, gets he everything really quickly. So huh. the, the the people that were uh, the producer and all that wanted to do a Zoom and all that. And then all of a sudden I got this email, you know, that I was part of. And he goes, well, Fredo. This is Javier. I'm right now in London. Hey, man, can we just FaceTime? I go, yeah, sure. So we FaceTime from London the first time. And then six to seven FaceTimes from here to Madrid. He, wow. he was in Madrid and I was here. And I taught him. Uh, the And wow. we, we, we created this. And then I got to play uh, in the soundtrack. Uh, the Babalu uh, orchestra part because the musical director told me, why not you play? And I said, well, yeah. So it was all done right here where I'm talking to you. You know, it's amazing how we had to learn to be, the fact that we're doing this interview, I would not have yeah. been able to interview you prior to the pandemic because I wouldn't have thought to go on a thing called Zoom. Right. You know, my I used to do my interviews sitting next to each other. But the fact that we can do this now, so there were advantages to. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, it changed a lot. And, you know, I mean, a lot of bad things happen. You know, uh, I mean, we couldn't see family. We couldn't see friends. But uh, once it started getting uh, rolling, I started teaching from a local drum shop that we have here, Batches, which is a great drum shop with vintage uh, drum sets and all that. So we, I got in a room with a mask and the student is over there on that drum set with a mask. Uh, I taught him. We, we talked to each other kind of long distance and sent me the money by ben, Venmo. Wow. And, and we never touched hands or shook hands and I'll see you next week. Or, so, you know, there were ways. But I'll tell you, once 2021 got, got rolling, it's really great when we all got together and that was a different feeling of appreciation for what we do. And the hugs meant a lot more. Before we hugged, hey, man, I'll see you on the next tour. Hey, how you doing? How's the family? This time, when we saw each other after like a year. I was going to say, how long, how long was it before Chicago went back out on the road? Well, we, we left Las Vegas, I think, March 18 of 2020. Mm -hmm. And we started back again in June, 2021 in Lincoln, Nebraska. So we were talking about this before we came on the air. You've never had COVID. Never, because I've been so cautious. And with that being said, my wife got COVID in 2020 right here at the house. And I figure that this is before the vaccines. Right. She got COVID. She got really sick. Uh, mm -hmm. Luckily, we're both really healthy and she's really healthy. So she didn't have to go to the hospital or anything. 
but she went to sleep at six in the in the evening and woke up at 11 the next day. And I figure she's going to give it to me because How I'm, did you I'm, not get it. No, I didn't get it. And then I was exposed four different times. Some of the guys with Chicago got it and gave it to each other. I didn't get it. I was exposed to other people having it. And then they told me, oh my God, I have COVID. I'm so sorry. Okay. But you know, I, I would I would check all the time. I, I got a cold once and I got bronchitis in Las Vegas, but not COVID. And the thing is, you know, I work at it. You know, I, I'm not only fully vaccinated, booster, pneumonia, tetanus, every damn vaccine. Jeff Beck just died of meningitis. Insane. Well, there's a meningitis vaccine, and I saw it the other day. There is? Yes. And so, like, did you the, get it yet? Not yet, but I'm going to get it. And so, you know, the, also the doctor told me I'm 67. So after 65, get the pneumonia because people get pneumonia, they get complicated and yep. they die of pneumonia. Yeah. And so, so like even if you have COVID or you got bronchitis or you got this, you get pneumonia. If you have the vaccine once a year for the next five years, you won't die of pneumonia. And so if somebody, when he told me that, this is my doctor, mm -hmm. I said, you know, and believe me, I faint when, when they drew blood. I hate needles. <laughs> I don't have a tattoo, no tattoos, no needles, but vaccines. I believe in the vaccines because I know people with polio. Uh, uh, music, musical director, Johnny Harris, a uh, long time ago, that played with Tom Jones mm -hmm. and all those Tom Jones shows. Uh, David Sanborn is a polio uh, really? victim. Yeah. So when people with polio told me my parents didn't get the get, didn't give me the vaccine, this and that, while millions of kids didn't get polio because they got the vaccine, I mean, one and one is two. So like uh, all my kids are vaccinated. And you know what? If there's a um, I, uh, I want to be safe for my band, my bandmates. Uh, last time I was, we were in Vegas, when I saw you, mm -hmm. I got bronchitis. So I was bedridden. I went to do the show. I had my mask. I don't care what anybody thinks. I have really cool masks that matches my shirt and match my <laughs> pants. I don't give a damn what anybody thinks. I wear the mask sometimes on the plane because it makes me feel better that a stranger is not going to sit next to me and cough and sneeze. And I'm going to get sick because getting sick, I cannot afford that. I cannot afford to tell the band, I got to go home. We cannot do the show. No, it's not going to happen. So, so like, Wally, uh, you played when you had bronchitis. Did you have fever with it? I mean, you. No, I, I, bet I had a cough. Mm -hmm. So I had a, I had like a, you know, the orange Dayquil. That's my drug. Yeah, I took uh, three of those. Uh, I don't take it often, but Afrin before the show mm -hmm. to clear me out. That's not really healthy to take Afrin every day. But, you know, I was like set to do the show. And after the show, back to bed, uh, you know, NyQuil and a half a gummy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can't do the gummy. I'm sober, but everything else is part. So I haven't been sick this whole time. And as I was telling you, just going to Vegas, I got sick for the first time 
And I, you know, everyone, I didn't do my show the other day, my solo show that I, because I couldn't even talk. I had no voice. I sounded like nothing. So I didn't know I was going to be able to do this because my head's all stuffed up. I'm coughing like crazy. That's why I keep turning off the microphone because when I have to cough, I turn it off. And that's why you sometimes can't hear me because I forgot to turn it back on. But I just, I have to confess to you because I'm taking all this Dayquil and NyQuil and Robitussin and all this crap I didn't do one of the steps for the show. And so on Facebook, on one of the threads, it still says Barbara Felden is live with me. I've corrected it on the rest of them and it'll all be corrected. But somebody was like, that's not Barbara Felden. I was like, oh my God. So I was scrambling to fix it. It's right everywhere else now. Oh my God. And I've written all over Facebook and it'll, but anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm not myself, but you know what it's like when you're you're sub, we're here. We're, we're here. You know, the the last in, interview that I had on Zoom, it was from India. Oh, my gosh. And the guy was, he should have been in bed. Oh. The nicest guy, he had a fever, but he was like sneezing and he had <laughs> Kleenex. And, and I thought, <laughs> even you're in India and I'm in Kentucky, but you're going to give me this cold. <laughs> Yes, hopefully, hopefully I can't give it to you. All right, so somebody just said, I'm 67. So am I, there's a lot of 67-year-olds. So somebody asked me, I want to go back to how you got other things, but tell us how you got Chicago because that's where you know everybody wants to know how you got that gig because it's been a long ride for you. Well, you know, I, um, I knew Tris for, for a long time. I played with Tris and uh, substituted him sometimes with his old band, Cecilia Noel, and the Wild Clamps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was a big fan of his. And we known each other. And then Lou Pardini was in the band at that time. Mm-hmm. And I played with Lou a lot. Uh, gigs in LA and sessions and all that. And uh, so like, you know, I was doing uh, touring with Lindsey Buckingham from 2007. And in 2011, we were supposed to, it was Christmas mm-hmm. 2011, and we were supposed to go to UK. And uh, Lindsay's musical director got really sick and ill with a back situation and he couldn't get out of bed. And eventually he had to do like two titanium discs and a major back operation. Oh, yeah. But Lindsay, didn't have a band and instead of like he, he didn't want to like at the last minute on the plane rehearse in the UK a new guitar player and all that so he wanted he canceled the tour we were supposed to go all the way to April 2022 I mean at 12 2012 so all of a sudden this Christmas and I don't have a tour and so like I started what I do all the time I freelance, network, call everybody, uh, you know, like I'm available for percussion, drums, sessions, teaching, clinics. When you were with Lindsay, was it, did you play as much as you do with Chicago? Were you playing a ton so that you really didn't need to do anything else? No, I was playing percussion and drums at the same time. It was an eclectic. Was it, did you play gig after gig after gig so that you didn't need other gigs? Uh, No, with Lindsay, he went out and the mm-hmm. same thing with Chicago. We came back home and I did other music. Mm-hmm. 
re recording sessions, whatever. Then we went back for another leg of the tour. But this leg of the tour, which was in the UK, got canceled and the, the rest of the tour got canceled. So I started freelancing January, February, uh, and I was playing with a band called El Chicano, which are my friends. Mm -hmm. So we were doing a lot of gigs with El Chicano. I was playing, you know, just all, everything you can imagine. Uh, playing with my band, you know, at the Big Potato and playing gigs. And, uh, and all of a sudden, my brother was playing with uh, percussion with Zach Brown band. And he got called to play percussion with Chicago because the percussionist that Chicago had, Drew, went with Joe Walsh to play drums. So Danny came in on percussion, but Zach Brown was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And he goes, uh, can you sub me for like four gigs with Chicago? Because I cannot do these four gigs because I got to go with Zach Brown. Mm -hmm. So I said, sure. You know, so that was in my calendar, like El Chicano, a wedding, a clinic, <laughs> da, 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 four days with Chicago, uh, go uh, and to England to play with somebody. I mean, all over the place. Right. So I learned the show because, you know, even though I knew the music of Chicago, you have to learn where they're at at that moment. You know, the what do you mean? Well, you know, you cannot just just because, you know, the first, second, third Chicago 17. That's not what Chicago's doing. They have new arrangements. Mm -hmm. They do a different thing live. Some of the tempos might be different. So, you know, you have to learn the last show that Chicago was doing. And how do you do that? Well, they send it to you? Yeah, you get a tape, you know, and uh, a tape, uh, a CD. or a... <laughs> Well, that's how old we are. It's still a tape. Yeah. And, and by the way, I just want to say, Wally, when we went to the show, I was not prepared that every single song I knew every single word to. There was awesome. one song, the song that Lauren sings, I didn't know. Every other song, we knew every single word. Amazing, I mean, right? It's unbelievable. It's the soundtrack of your life. It, it, it totally is. Yeah. It totally is. Anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, so, so, so you know, I, I got the CD. I learned the parts. And I meet the band like 20 minutes before they, they arrive at six something. That's crazy. I know. So the percussion was still not even my percussion. It was no. like the percussion that from the other percussion that has left. And then uh, so I set up my, my stuff. I got there at five, set up everything. I brought my little percussion toys and stuff like that. <laughs> and then I met Robert and then I met the horn players. And I uh, uh, Walter Parazader was playing with them still. So it was Jimmy, Lee, and Walter. I met their three horn players. And I said, is there anything that you guys want me or looking that I should do, you know, before I hit the stage? And Walter goes, yes. And then he took me on the side and goes, go out there and have a ball. Have oh. some fun. Oh. I'll, I'll see you on stage. And I go, okay. So like uh, the, first, the first show, you know, I... I, uh, you know, just kind of like I had a cheat sheet, the, the set list, you know, with different things. And this was suit. it nerve wracking for you to learn the music, to cram the music. How much time did you have to learn it? Oh, you know, I had like a couple of weeks 
<laughs> yeah. So like, you know, I have ways to learn it. That's what we do, you know, right. learn quickly. Uh, and so, but there's no charts and there's nothing written. You got to right. memorize. Right. By the way, the same thing with Lindsay, the same thing with Steve Winwood, the same thing with Santana. There's no right. charts on stage. Right. It's like you're playing with the eyes for the people in the band. And so like, uh, so I actually played the show the first night. Then on the second night, I was paying more attention to Robert and the guys and smiling and having fun. And on the third night after the show, Robert came to my dressing room and uh, Tris was there and he goes, hi, Wally, can I talk to you? And I went, okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, and this song, do this, don't play percussion on this. So I was expecting, you know, notes like the critique and he, yeah. and, and he goes, uh, you know, I know your brother's really busy with Zach Brown band and everything, but you, you sound like you've been with us forever. Aww. And so like, if you want to hop on the bus and continue to come on the road with us, you're more than welcome. And I go, well, Robert, I've been with you forever since your first album. <laughs> I've been always with you. And I, I saw the concert with Lauchi de Oliveira was the percussionist with Chicago. Uh, uh, and I knew what him. Year, how long ago was that? That had to be a long time uh, ago. Well, I went to, in high school in Las Vegas. I went to the New Year's Eve concert with Chicago and Madura, 1974, wow. December. Yeah. And so, like, I, you know, I've gone to Chicago. Was it concert. weird for you and your brother? Was it weird to have to tell your brother? Or was that all fine? Well, you know, at the beginning, Robert was concerned, but, you know, I called my brother and I said, you know, I know you have Zach Brown and you want to do both gigs, but these guys don't like that. You know, they don't want everybody switching, coming in from other gigs. It's like, like the Lakers, <laughs> who are, who is in the Lakers? You know, who is in the Dodgers? Oh no, this guy's playing for the, for the Miami, for the Dolphins, but he'll be back tomorrow and he wants to, no, no. It's like, these are the team, the yeah. Dolphins, this is the Lakers and this is Chicago. So, you know, and when we get a band and it's like what we have right now, this is Chicago. And so right. like, uh, I told my brother, you know, uh, I, I know I was subbing, but Robert asked me to join the band and my brother was happy because he goes, well, they don't know. Nobody knows, but Zach Brown is making me a member. So at that, wow. that same week, my brother was made a member of the Zach Brown band. Perfect. So, so he went on the road with Zach Brown and I went on the road with Chicago and the rest is history. And it's been great. And we're very honored because, you know, such a great body of music unbelievable and uh as a drummer chicago uh there's other artists that i've played on the past that is like really like hard rock loud all the time or the opposite brushes and little drum sets and quiet with chicago i have a variety that i go from brushes if you leave me now to introduction which has like odd times tempo changes you play pocket, you play funk, you play rock, you play Latin, you play rhythm and blues, jazz. I mean, you play everything and it's this, all dynamics, different styles. And so 
it's a really uh, healthy musical diet. That's wonderful. Okay, so somebody's asking, a few people have asked, how was it playing with Lindsey Buckingham and how did you get that gig? Well, uh, how I got that gig was, again, a reputable friend of mine, Ray Percussionist, Taco Hirano, was doing that gig because he was doing percussion with Fleetwood Mac and then he was doing Lindsey. And it started out, Lindsay with an acoustic album. Uh -huh. So it was a lot of cajon, percussion, shakers, and then some tunes on drums. But with Lindsay, the challenge was that Lindsay won, wanted like 13 different drum set sounds. Wow. So I had to go to the Roland kit and program a different drum set sound per song and then play percussion. So like, uh, they needed a percussionist drummer. So there's a lot of great drummers out there. There's a lot of great percussionists out there. But Lindsay needed somebody that could rock on the drum set. And when it's time to play cajon, you know, you got to learn how to play cajon. And you play shakers and play and program percussion. So I had a percussion drum set kind of kit. And uh, I auditioned and somebody recommended me. Uh, actually, I think Greg Pisanet mentioned to Brett Tuggle, which passed away, our dear friend, mm -hmm. uh, you got to get Wally. He does both, just like what happened with Steve Winwood with, with traffic. Okay, we're going to talk about that, too. Yeah, yeah. so this, the same scenario uh, with traffic 1994, it was like you will play drums and Jim Capaldi will play percussion. But when Jim plays drums, you got to play percussion. And B, Reba, Reba uh, Akubaku, which is the percussionist. Uh, so you got to do both well, not just fake one of them. And so like, uh, so with Lindsay, uh, I audition and Lindsay's the kind of artist. He knows what he wants. He knows what he hears. He's very specific. But once you give him what he wants and he's looking for and you spend the time like we did programming all the sounds and stuff like that. He loves you. And we had a great, fantastic band until it was over. So, you know, uh, I, he asked me again to come back at one point with Christine McVie, Lindsey Buckingham tour. But, you know, I was with Chicago at that time. And I said, Lindsey, I love you. And I miss playing with you, but, uh, you know, Lindsay doesn't go out like Chicago all year. Right. So as far as a gig, I, I need, yes. you know, Ch Chicago's home. Right. I've been, you know, sometimes you get calls from, hey, man, are you still with Chicago? He goes, yeah. Oh, I want it. But, you know, I'm not going to leave Chicago uh, for nothing, really, for nobody. How, how is it? For your new marriage, well, you had that, you had a year and a half honeymoon, so that was quite a big head start. But is it hard on your marriage to be gone so much? Well, you know, that's a really good question because it comes up a lot. Um, like I said, I'm 67. Uh, we don't have kids. Right now we have a cat and we get well, a Well, you do have kids, but they're grown kids. Yeah, they're grown yeah. kids. But right now... Kirsten has a great job. She can travel like every 10 days 
she can meet me somewhere wherever oh, nice. I am. And then I come home. So it's like two weeks, three weeks. I'm home for two weeks. She meets me. So we, we see each other all the time. What right. was really difficult is when my kids were growing up because there was no Zoom, no FaceTime, right. no iPhone. So you had to go. You were in London. You had to get up at four in the morning in the rain and go to the phone booth oh. and put that stupid card <laughs> with the numbers and trying to get the operator in LA, you know, time difference before my four-year-old went to bed. Oh, it was wow. 4 a.m. in London. So I had to put the clock. Imagine that you do a show, you want to sleep eight hours and you have to get up at 4 a.m. So you can talk to your son at wow. seven o'clock. So, you know, when I- Would you I, be gone for long stretches of time when they yeah. were little yeah, and with, with, with Santana, not as much, but with Steve Winwood, when, when we started traffic. Okay, so was, how, how did you get that gig? And how old were you when you started that? You, had, you were young. Well, uh, I worked with Santana from 89 to 93. And then, how'd you get that? How'd you get Santana? Well, with Santana, you know, one thing is goes to another. I was touring with David Lindley in the 1980s. And David Lindley, you know, great musician. He passed away recently. And uh, Jerry Garcia loved David. So he invited him to open up for the Grateful Dead. And in one of those uh, big, big Grateful Dead concerts, it was David Lindley, Santana, and Grateful Dead. And Carlos saw me play at that time. And I knew some of the guys with Santana. And uh, they asked me to join the band in 88 but i was committed to david lindley for an album and all that so i joined santana in 89 and i went up to audition they uh, told me learn this five songs when i arrived we did not play those five songs we just jammed for an hour and carlos just played blues and play rock and we played this and we played that and at the end of the the audition i got the job and so i went on the road, 1989, 1993, and then 1994, it was a big tour, the traffic reunion, and they they needed somebody to play percussion, but Jim Capaldi, which is the drummer and songwriter right. with Steve Winwood, uh-huh. would play a lot of the songs, but the songs that he did not record, that was like Jim Gordon on drums, like Low Spark of High Hill Boys, <sighs> And, uh, you know, and the guys from Muscle Shoals, he wanted me to play those songs. So I, we, we switched back and forth. So 94, we did this humongous tour. Woodstock Wait, how 90. did you go from Santana to, tra- how did you leave? Did you have a, a, a good ending with Santana? Did you, how did you segue from one well, to the other? Well, at the time, not really, because, you know, Carlos is kind of like weather report. He always has like a, he always likes changes in the band. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I joined Santana, it was Alfonso Johnson on bass. And all these guys are like heroes. Right. You know, before me was Michael Shreve, Chester Thompson, the drummer, Undugu, Leon Chancellor, Graham Lear, Gaylor Birch. And then when I came in, it was like, what happened to them? They're all... I'm a fan of all of them. So then after a few years, Carlos gets 
you know, like he just wants something. He gets different. antsy. He wants antsy yeah. and this and that. And when the '94 tour came in, I went like, "Hello!" And so, like, uh, with traffic, it was silky, mellow, no, uh, no drama. You know, and English. I assume this was also music that, like, the fa- the fabric of my life. I mean, oh my god, yeah, right. Lo- so I assume for you as well, right? Dear Mister Fantasy, shootout at the. Uh, fantasy factory uh low spark of high hill boys low spark john barleycorn yeah john barleycorn but that that was traffic so then after the traffic tour ended yeah in 95 i went on the road and did a robbie robertson tour <laughs> of the native american and that wow. was again a whole percussion native american drums and drum set and then in 97 um Steve called me and told me that he was putting his band together, Steve Winwood, not Traffic, right, right. To, to play all his hits and do a new album produced by Nara Michael Walden. So I recorded a couple of tunes on the album on drums and then some on percussion. And then I went on the road with Steve 97, 98, 99. And then 2002, 3, 4 was a smaller, different kind of band from another album we did called About Time, uh, where he played mostly B3. And in 2000, I played with Johnny Holiday in France. So, you know, when Steve was off, I was doing other things. And the thing is that I tell my students, you know, after you do all this work on drums and you, you have to let the whole world know what you do. And now is there's a lot of great things happening. You can actually use social media. You can send YouTube links. You can send, you know, people, for example, you don't have to have an appointment at the record company. Da, da, da. All you have to do is like send your videos and in their bathroom, they can listen to you. <laughs> so it's not like the old days where you have to have a meeting and the office and they play the cassette and they listen in front of you that's those days are gone and so like you have to like most of my day when i'm off from chicago or even when i'm with chicago during the day i'm networking keeping up with people wow creating music exchanging music let's jam over here let's get together i want to play with the whole world I wow. want to play as much music with as many great musicians as possible. So, you know, if it's a phone call or email or text or just a, hey, send a, you know, so even with the, ba- the, the guys from Chicago, we have a text that we're always talking to each other and sending each other stuff. And that's the way to do it. I mean, you got to, you know, it's not enough just to become the musician you want to become. Now you got to take your music and who you are and what you have to offer and let the world know. This is so, it's, it's so inspiring to hear you talk, Wally. It really is. Is there anybody that you haven't played with that's still a dream? Is there anybody that you've ever chased to play? Like, I want to, I want to play with this person. Or is there still that person ahead for you? Is there anyone like that? Yeah, there's so many artists. Uh, I, some known and some not as known 
Uh, I like world music. So mm -hmm. I, I recently I, I saw a, a show with a uh, Angeline Kijo. Fantastic. You know, I've always been a fan of um, uh, Peter Gabriel, and I understand he has a new tour coming with Manuka Che, which I love his drumming. So I love Peter Gabriel's stuff and what he has done. You know, of course, Genesis, Phil Collins, uh, Sting. Oh. Uh, there's so many people uh, that I, you know, there's a lot of rock bands also that I love. And there, I see so many young artists now, you know, Snarky Puppy and uh, I mean, uh, there's, I, I, every time I, I turn my Instagram, somebody genius comes out and I go, who is this? You know, sometimes my wife goes, you're still on the phone. <laughs> what are you doing? And he goes, I'm listening to all these people. It's just like amazing amount of talent pouring through that, through this phone, you know, which is were you, amazing. Were you a Ringo fan, Wally? Cause oh yeah. I mean, Ringo was one of the reasons that a lot of people started playing music. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I, before I even became a musician, I had a broom and I was singing, <laughs> I want to hold you. And, uh, you know, so like, uh, I love the Beatles. I love the Rolling Stones. And those days back in the 60s, you know, the, uh, what was it? The grassroots the uh, young bloods the guess who uh stevie wonder elvis i mean vanilla i listened fudge. to everything vanilla fudge and so like later on uh cream is it got more psychedelic that's oh, when yeah. i started playing drunk cream ocibisa uh you know like traffic uh you know it was like an era of like you know the yes. summer of love uh -huh. Jeff jefferson starship uh, -huh. uh uh, Big Brother and the Holding Company, uh, and on and on and on. Sly and the Family Stone. I love Sly and the Family Stone. And then as it progressed, then I started getting more into progressive rock, which was, yes, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Uh, you had some of these groups that were like odd times. And then, of course, CTA, Chicago, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Tower of Power, Cold Blood, and, you know, and all the drummers from the rhythm sections like Memphis, Al Jackson, uh, Motown, New York, Bernard Purdy, and then the West Coast, which was Hal Blaine. Mm -hmm. And then came Jeff Porcaro, Jim Gordon, Jim Keltner, and, and all the guys that did all those sessions, you know, where I was like, I used to go to the record shop to check out who played on the records. And then, of course, there then came Steve Gatt and he played on every record in the <laughs> 1970s until the 80s and still the 90s. And so I was a big fan from country, country rock, uh, folk, you know, like the drummers that played with Crosby, Stills and Nash, Joni Mitchell, Joan Baez, you know, like uh, Bread, the band Bread. Sure. You know, it was a different finesse. Elton John, the ballads with Nigel Olson. You know, when people say, who's your favorite drummer? I don't, I cannot answer. It's just like, what's your favorite food? Well, I don't have, I cannot answer. You know, it all depends. You know, sometimes I feel I'm not a vegetarian, but sometimes I am. Sometimes I love to go to a Lebanese restaurant 
and there's no no uh, uh, meat, but it's like 20 dishes. It's like amazing. So, you know, I like the variety. world, the variety of music, diversity, versatility, the world, cultures. You know, that doesn't mean that I don't love my country. In the United States alone, from like the Appalachian Mountains to New Orleans, to Mississippi, Missouri, to like Florida, that, that, that's all music. Music that of, of different people, Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section, the South of the United States, the North, the West, the East, New York City. You know, it's like, you know, th this country is magical with food, cultures, and music because it's diverse. With Tony just said you're a music foodie. It is, you, you are. You're like a foodie yeah. of music. That's what you are. That's it. That's a, that's a good one. Thank you. It is a good one. Did, did, did you ever play with your father? Have you two played oh. together? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he's going to be 90. I, I saw a picture of him. He looks amazing. Yeah. In June 16, and we just jammed together. You know, he's doing, uh, he, it's really difficult for him to walk, and mm -hmm. he has to go down the stairs to go to the family room where all the drums and percussion. But he came down and we jammed and wow. my father, my father is a, is a teacher. He, he'll turn you hip. And at 90, he's still catching up with YouTubes. And have you heard this guy? Wow. Man, listen to this kid. Let's, you know, he's really passionate and gets excited about music and new music. Fantastic. He can go back. He has pictures with Gene Krupa. He has pictures with Buddy Rich, but oh. he, he turns me on to the latest drums wow. drummer. So uh, my brother and I and uh, my daughter is a percussionist. I, I was just going to ask you about your daughter because she's a percussionist too. Yeah. Playing with George Benson. She's plays with George Benson. Yeah, and sings. So he, she's mainly a singer uh -huh. that got thrown into the percussion chair. And I taught her like a boot camp, like, she only had like one month to become a percussionist. Really? She didn't yeah. grow up with it? No. Well, well, I mean, she grew up with it, but not right. playing it. Uh-huh. She was always a vocalist. She loved performing. She loved singing. But she caught on so fast. Wow. That when she said, George wants me to play percussion, I said, when is the tour? He goes, a month from now. He goes, every day at my house, six <laughs> hours a day. So like uh, she did it. And I knew she could. I would not put my daughter through the ringer if I know it was beyond her. You know, like if it would have been Santana on percussion, I said, I think I need a little, you need a little more time. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, with George Benson, uh, this great percussionist producer, Michael, I mean, um, Ralph McDonald, he produced a lot of the albums with George and played percussion. So it was a study of Ralph McDonald. So I made a triangle. This song, only vocals. This one, vocals and shaker. This one, you play vocal, you sing vocals, you play tambourine on the chorus, shaker on the verse. And then it got more difficult and more difficult and more difficult. By the time we arrived here, she had to play congas and do some solos and stuff like that. But when she auditioned, she got the gig 
the musical director told me, you know what I love about your daughter, aside from being an amazing singer, she plays the songs, nothing less, nothing more. It's not her ego. She plays what the song needs. Wow. That's it. And that's what this artist wants. They, they, they want uh, consistency, stability, and trust. They want to trust you that when you get under the drum set, that song's going to be at the right tempo. You're not going to throw some other thing that they're going to go like, what the hell was that? <laughs> you know, you know, they don't want no surprises unless you're playing in a band like, like Santana was a little bit of improvisational and he wants you to improvise when the time comes. Right. But there's some songs that you got to play or you come over black magic woman, you know, you got to play the poem and what the song ingredients are. Right. You know, of when course. you go to a restaurant, like, I don't know what's your favorite restaurant in LA or wherever, but you know, when you go there, you take somebody, right? Go, man. Din Tai Fung. Have you ever been to Din Tai Fung? I heard of it. It's yeah, fantastic. I heard yeah. of it. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to take me there, right? Yeah, we'll go. What, why are you going to take me there? Because you had a good experience, right? Right. So if you take me there and right now we're sitting down and you look at the menu and everything has changed, and you go, what's going on here? It goes, oh, the chef wants to improvise. You know, that's happened to me at restaurants and I don't like yeah, it. <laughs> right. Exactly. It goes like, well, what happened to the famous blah, blah, blah? Oh, he doesn't want to do that tonight. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why I'm here. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And that's never going to happen with Chicago. Whenever you go to Chicago, you're going to get what you paid for. That's for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. So, so I, I'm, thank you so much for doing this. You know, I met you for five minutes and you just have this beautiful, open, warm, passionate personality that's just um, infectious. Oh, and thank you. You're that way when you play and you're that way when you speak. And somebody was saying that you have a smile like Bobby Darren. You just light up the room. You do. You just oh, light up the room. Well, thank you so much. Well, the same you. I mean, uh, you know, we're just talking and it was like, have we met before? <laughs> I know. It's, you know. It's so easy and wonderful. And I. so where can... Do you know the next stop where people can, I'm going to tell them to go to the site. I'll give them a link so that they can find Chicago. And what else can they look for from you? Yeah, Chica chicagotheband.com. And then how about from you for your band? How can they find so, your music? WalfredoReyesJr.com. And I'm in social media, mainly in Instagram and Facebook. I have my musician band page. I always advertise anything that I'm doing like locally or anything that it's I'm on doing. your website. I'm going to give them the link to your website yeah. so they can find yeah. you. Yeah. And I can't wait to see you guys again. I just adore you. You are. And, and congratulations on your anniversary. It's oh, wonderful to see you so happy. And thank you. Love. And well, uh, we'll do this again. Absolutely. You know? I would love that. Thank you so much, Wally. Thank you. Take care. Be All well. Right, bye bye.